Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Glad you could join us this morning. Hope you have enjoyed the singing. Um, uh, You know, it's been really great to hear from brothers and sisters that have used this time. Um, You know, it's, it's such a really still such a strange time in terms of just meeting online. Um, and for most people, I'm sure it's really strange that you get up on Sunday morning and you probably sleep in a little bit later than you usually do, and you might be sitting here watching the service in your pajamas, or um, a brother told me he sings in the shower while, uh, while we're doing this. That's a little uncomfortable, but, uh, uh, but hopefully you've taken this time. It's been great hearing from brothers and sisters um, who have said this has been a great time where they've taken advantage of um, some time to just be silent and to meditate on God's Word and to really be prepared uh, to come in and sing and to hear the Word of God. And so I love hearing that. I hope we're all following that lead of really um, in these times where there's a lot of chaos and a lot of things going on, it seems like everything can go faster and faster and faster and what a better time than now um, where we intentionally slow down and take a deep breath um, and remember what we're doing. So we're going to take a second here and pray. And I would love for you to just take some time where you are. And, um, you know, praying isn't always just saying words. It's not just telling God something or asking God something. Sometimes it's just listening. Sometimes it's just being quiet and getting your heart settled. Um, so take some time where you are. Take a little bit of time here and just have some silent time to gather your thoughts, to slow everything down a little bit, pray. Um, we're going to take a couple minutes for that, and then I'll pray, and we'll move ahead with our uh, sermon for the day. Father, thank you uh, so much that you allow us to come together, and um, we get to come from a lot larger area of our community because of the internet, because of technology, and we're grateful for that. I do pray that you help us to take a deep breath and to slow down this morning. I pray that your word will penetrate our hearts. Um, There's a lot of things I want to say. There's a lot of things that everybody we have to say, and I pray that we hear your voice today. Um, I pray that we um, do things your way. Father, I pray that we, um, that we do uh, surrender, that we do die to ourselves um, to follow you. I pray that we love like you. I pray that we um, are humble, Father. I pray for that. I pray that your Holy Spirit um, just fills us. Uh, I pray that um, you will challenge our hearts. Um, we've got a lot of growth. We, we need a lot of growth, Father. And um, I just pray for your challenging, for your um, strengthening, Father, and thanks again for this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can turn in your Bibles right now to Philippians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be reading out of primarily, but we're going to walk through a few different verses over the next 30 minutes or so. And um, hopefully as you're sitting there listening, any time 
um, you're hearing the word of God anytime, really anytime. You, you've got to be clear. If, you, if you're a Christian, right, if you're telling people you follow Jesus, um, please remember what that means to be a disciple. Um, to be a disciple is to be a student of Jesus. It's not just that I go to church somewhere. It's not that I identify with a specific group. It's not that I have a specific philosophy of good over evil. Those aren't the things that make me a Christian. Um, the things I do, the service and all those things, is, is remembering that uh, when I was baptized into Christ, um, my allegiance went completely to Jesus. All right. He, he was my Lord. He was who um, was going to mentor and train and disciple my heart because baptism didn't cure me from sinning. All right. I needed help and continue to need help. And so hopefully we remember that this is not for the faint of heart. I know, you know, it's really easy um, in our world, um, in our country sometimes to feel like becoming a Christian is so simple and so easy. And like there's almost like not even a cost that people present because we just have watered it down in so many ways. And we forget that there is a war. I mean, these are the, the times that we're in now when you're talking about not just a pandemic, but you're talking about um, just injustice and racism. And you're talking about just society just um, really... There, there's a heightened awareness of sin in our world. And I think as disciples, we have to remember that being a disciple of Jesus is not for the faint of heart. If you became a disciple only when times were good, then that's not good news, okay? That's, you probably didn't decide to follow Jesus, okay? And I know that might be hard to hear. My fear, though, is, is, is that in today's world um, that... Uh, we will forget that Jesus did call his followers to come and die to themselves. All right, not just to be his followers in good times, but in suffering and in bad times and in persecution and, and in all of these times. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think times like this um, can be ripe for great growth in the church. I think it could be ripe for the gospel, for repentance, for people coming and becoming Jesus' disciples but there's also a shrinking that happens in the church as well. And I don't think that's all bad. I think that sometimes we forget that um, sometimes hearts get revealed, even in a church setting where people go, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up because I thought God was going to give me good things and God was going to make my life better. Okay, and so there's both this potential for great growth, but also a warning for us as disciples to really check ourselves and go, man, did I sign up to be trained by Jesus? Did I sign up? I, one of the things that helps me more than anything is for me to put myself in a place under Jesus where I'm going, okay, Jesus, train my heart. All right, from day one of being a disciple, that has been the most healthy posture I've been able to take towards Jesus. All right, because in 20 plus years, 23 or 24 years, um, I don't have a handle on how to have the heart of Jesus. I need, my heart needs to be trained and molded and softened, and I need Jesus, and I need my brothers and sisters to do that. And I'm sure you do as well. But I wonder how often we put ourselves in that place where we are sitting down and really asking Jesus, train my heart and disciple my heart. Jesus, what would you do in this situation? And it might be different than what 
I would do, okay? And so um, I, I hope we do this. I hope when you wake up every morning, you pledge allegiance to Jesus, okay? And I, that's just so important. That's such an important aspect of the gospel is that when I wake up, I go, I pledge allegiance, Jesus, to you and your ethic and your love and your way. I, I do that uh, against even what I want to do. Okay, and so hopefully, as disciples, we can agree on that. Okay, is that we are doing that, and we're going to look into a couple passages starting here in Philippians 2. I was thinking to myself, and hopefully, you can put yourself in this situation as well um, of putting yourself in a situation there physically with Jesus, and you are able to ask your to ask Jesus, Jesus, what would you do? What would your heart be like? How would you train me today? Okay, and I can picture Jesus. You know, now like if he was sitting in your front room or he's sitting next to you like in physical form, okay? And he was like, great, let's talk about this, right? I could see him looking, Keith, I'm glad you asked me that. Let's talk about this. You've got some areas to work on. And I could see Jesus uh, saying even like, well, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote about this in a really great way in Philippians chapter 2. And can you imagine being taught by Jesus this lesson right here? When we're asking Jesus, what is your heart like? What, is your, what did you do to make it through uh, the world and to save people and to bring your gospel? And Jesus, if he were to say, listen, come here, look me in the eyes. Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, make your own attitude the same as that of Christ Jesus. So could you hear Jesus saying that to you and to me, like looking us right in the eye and going, I need your attitude to be the same as my attitude. I need you to read this and understand this, okay? And then in verse 6, Paul writes, Jesus, who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross, okay? So again, our minds, this is where we really need our minds to be today, is us having just a sit down with Jesus, a really honest sit down, and Jesus training our hearts. And for us to be sitting there and hearing Jesus's words as he tells us, and he says, guys, you wanna know what? Here's what I did. I emptied myself, okay? He, had, he said he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a servant, made himself a slave, okay? Now, let's keep in mind what Jesus isn't saying here. He isn't saying he stopped being God, okay? He, he never said that. He understood completely that he was God. What he emptied himself of was the king emptying himself up of his own privilege, of his own necessarily even authority. Instead of being the king that we think kings are like, of telling people, do this and do that and be this way and be that way. He said, I came as a servant. And if you want to read, and again, hopefully you're taking notes so you'll go back and check this out. Matthew 13, where Jesus, you know, is just, um, he washes the disciples' feet. You know, it's just this idea of Jesus. Could you imagine Jesus sitting down and washing your feet? And he's saying, listen, I need your attitude to be like my attitude where I sat down and I washed your feet and I came as a servant, not as somebody who is lording things over one another. And so again, I just think that we live in these times right now that we've got to have our hearts discipled and mentored and molded to be just like Jesus's. And I think 
we all have these questions like, how did you do this? And, you know, again, him saying, hey, man, I came to serve. How's that going? If if you raise your hand and you say, I know I am a disciple. I do follow Jesus. He is my Lord. I pledge allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. Okay. How's being a servant? Okay. I don't mean just doing an act of service here and there. I mean, wherever we go, this is the call for me and you, okay? This is serious. The call for me and you is wherever we go, we're servants. How's that going? How's that going? Because I think it's really easy for us to sit back and go, no, I can be a Christian and not necessarily, I can do an act of service here and there to make myself feel okay. But to be a servant everywhere, to everyone like Jesus, I'm going, man, that's so difficult. And, and, and just, uh, you know, that's what we're being called to, okay? That's what we're being called to in, in every time, but especially now as disciples, okay? And so there's this generalized view of this where Jesus says, listen, I emptied myself. Um, that, that speaks to me in a couple of ways because I think for me, um, there is a intentionality for me to empty myself of Keith. Okay. There's a way that I think things should be done. Um, there's a way I think people should behave. There's a way that I think there's all kinds of thoughts that I have and different practical uh, lessons and all of these things. And here's if my attitude's going to be like Jesus and same with you. Okay. Are you emptying yourself of you? Okay. Because here's what I'll say. If this is not what you signed up for, if this is not what you want, if you're listening and you're listening to Philippians 2 and you're going, no, 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 listen, I am not, and this is angering you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just stop following Jesus, okay? Stop saying you're a Christian because you're hurting Christianity everywhere, okay? This is Jesus' call to us to empty ourselves, okay? And you go, but Jesus, what did that look like in your life? Let's look over to Luke chapter 23, okay? So let's look on over there. And again, hopefully this isn't something that puts you off or turns you off, but we are clearly reminded that we live in a times where there there is a battle going on, okay? This isn't about who can have like the prettiest quiet time journal. This isn't about how my Bible can look like so meticulously, you know, neat with all of the neat lines and everything. This is just a war, okay? And so it's that idea of, I think there's a wake-up call that we, again, need um, to have our hearts trained by Jesus. But also we need to have that desire to go, Jesus, come on in, train my heart, mold my heart. And so... Could you imagine Jesus sitting here and he's taking me and you through the Bible? Could you imagine that if that happened today? And Jesus is like, well, you guys have a Bible. Let's look in Luke chapter 23. And what if Jesus were to tell the story of his own kind of battle, all right? And here in Luke chapter 23, Jesus would share with us his own trial that he was on. In verse 13 of Luke chapter 23, um, Pilate, the governor, called together the chief priest the leaders, and the people. And he said to him, you've brought me this man, Jesus, as one who subverts the people. But in fact, after examining him in your presence, I found no grounds to charge this man with the things you accuse him of. Okay, I mean, you gotta, 
We've got to put ourselves in this place. Could you imagine sitting here and the governor says, this guy that y'all brought to me because you said he was guilty of something? I didn't find him guilty of it, okay? And he said in verse 15, neither has Herod because he sent him back to us. Like the, the leaders have said, man, Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. And the religious leaders and everybody are not hearing this, okay? And then in verse 16, therefore, this is what the governor said, therefore I will have him whipped and then release him. For according to the festival, he had to release someone to them. Okay, I want you to think about this. There should be an emotional aspect to us reading this, okay? Um, is this idea of going, hold on a minute. Governor, you just said that Jesus was innocent. You just said he didn't do anything. But now, could you imagine watching that? Could you imagine that? Like, we've got to let that sink into our hearts of watching this and going, hold on a minute. Pilate, didn't you say that Jesus was innocent and now you're going to whip him right here in front of us? And he didn't do anything, okay? It's sometimes we read this and it's so unemotional. But if we put ourselves in that situation, how desperate we would feel watching Jesus go through this, okay? Um, and then in verse 18, what if you heard the whole crowd now? This is the whole crowd in Jerusalem, and they're crying out together, take this man away, take Jesus away, release Barabbas to us. He'd thrown, he was thrown into prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. And so could you imagine, you'd love Jesus, and there he is, okay? And he's been beaten, and he's been unjustly like whipped in front of everybody. He, in fact, he was found innocent and still beaten. And then instead of the crowd going, no, stop that, we know Jesus, he's innocent. No, 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 stop that. They say, no, we'd rather have a murderer released to our presence than him. All right. I want you to just sit down and take a second about what that crowd would be like. What would it be like being in that crowd? All right. Sitting there and hearing the voices and the, and the frustration and the yelling to kill Jesus, like take him away send us a murderer, okay? Can you imagine how infuriating and hopeless and frustrating that would be? Because all of them were crying out together to release Barabbas. And then in verse 20, Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, said, but, uh, said to them again, but they kept shouting. They didn't just shout, no, 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 put Jesus in jail. They said, kill him, crucify him, crucify him. Okay, could you imagine we're reading this in the Bible. Could you imagine Jesus sitting here and telling us this story? And he's telling it from his perspective, okay? His post-resurrection perspective of telling us, of saying, hey, hey, Keith, here's the thing is, is you remember in Philippians 2 and I told you I emptied myself? I told you that your attitude, Paul wrote, your attitude needed to be the same as mine. I'm going to show you a really tough time here where this, these things happened and it was infuriating and, and oh my goodness, I can't even imagine this was happening. Could you imagine what Jesus would share about the crowd chanting? Okay, Jesus who had never done a thing wrong, Jesus who had only loved, Jesus who had, could you imagine in his, sitting up there with him and him hearing his people just say, crucify him, kill him, get him out of here. We don't wanna see him anymore, okay? And verse 23, they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices won out. So Pilate decided to grant their demand and release the one they were asking for, who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder, but he handed Jesus over to their will. 
okay? And then they lead Jesus away to be crucified, okay? This is all happening here. And um, here's, here's one of the things that Jesus says, okay? He, he's, as, as he's um, getting ready and prepared and walking with his cross, um, he says this, man, you know, there, there's going to be a time when it gets even worse than this, okay? He said, daughters of Jerusalem in verse 28, don't weep for me, weep for yourself and your children. He said, there's going to be a day that's coming that it's going to be great to have no kids that have to see these things. Because in verse 31, if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? Essentially, Jesus is saying, if they're doing this when I'm right here in front of them, boy, this world is going to go crazy when I'm not physically here, okay? And then they crucify him between two criminals. And I think a lot of people are really, you know, aware that that happened, okay? And um, as Jesus was crucified, this is what he said, okay? Now, now I want you to, to, to remember, we read Philippians 2. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. We saw that Jesus emptied himself. Okay. that he humbled himself, that he was obedient to God. Okay, And then in verse 34 of Luke chapter 23, as Jesus is on the cross looking around and people are jeering at him and yelling at him, and he had been, you know, sentenced to death for nothing but loving people. Okay, They had traded a murderer for his life. If you can imagine all that was going on inside of Jesus, but also... What about his people, his friends, his followers, his family, right? And here are the words of Jesus. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. All right, we've got to let the words of Jesus just sink in. All right, this is Jesus right here. Um, this attitude of going, man, I'm, I'm humbling myself. Um, I, I came as a servant I came even with these folks that are down here at the foot of the cross and they hate me. Father, forgive them. Okay. All right. This is where this gets really, really, really tough. Okay. And I want you again, put yourself in the position. I think this is just a good thing to put ourselves in the position of Jesus just right here face to face with me and you and taking us through this lesson. And I can hear him even asking, hey, Keith, is your attitude like mine? Like when it's really tough, is your attitude like mine? You know, when people are treating you poorly, is your attitude like mine? And I'm just like, oh, man, this is like I can feel the, the, just the challenge in the molding of my heart because I'm like, no, 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 it's too easy for me to give up. It's too easy for me to lash out. But we have to hear Jesus' voice of saying, Keith, are you, or insert your name, right? Are, are, is your attitude like mine? You're following me. You say you're following me. Let me show you my life here, okay? And this is what's tough, okay? Can you imagine Jesus having this conversation with us when he's looking down and he's saying, Father, forgive them, okay? And, and he's talking about the guys that nailed him to the cross. And he's talking about the people who are spitting on him. And he's talking to the people. And he's talking to the people who had just taken his clothes off. They've ripped his clothes off, okay? They've humiliated and beaten him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. And this is what's really tough, okay? Because what we're reminded of is Jesus going, but I, I love that, that Roman soldier that just spit on me. I love him. And I love Pilate. And I love the Pharisees 
And I love these guys that are, that are yelling at me. I came because I love them. And I love Peter and I love John and James and Mary and Mary. And I love them. But I love these guys that hate me also. Okay. Could you, could you hear that? Could you, sometimes it's tough. Okay. When I feel like people are treating me wrong. Okay. Here's the way my mind works. I think Jesus loves me and I want him to hate them. Okay. Do you ever think that way? (laughs) Right. You're being wronged and legitimately, let's say somebody is legitimately treating you poorly. You know, again, maybe your mind is like way more pure than mine, but I oftentimes have a hard time thinking Jesus actually loves that person. I want Jesus to be angry at the person who's hurting me. I want Jesus to be like on my side and not their side, okay? And so let's bring this into really a painful presence, okay, into today's world, all right? Can you imagine in our world today, um, Jesus saying, you want to know what? I, I see what's going on in the world and i see specifically these events that have happened and and you can see jesus saying i I love ahmaud arbery i love george floyd could you imagine the agony of watching your children murdered could you imagine that agony okay but here's where it becomes difficult because when jesus would say and do you want to know what um i love the people who even perpetrated that I love them too. Okay, don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay, there was never a time Jesus said that was okay to treat me this way. That was okay. That was okay. But Jesus understood a very hard lesson. Okay, that this is where our hearts can become really, really challenged because we forget that when Jesus died on the cross, all right, it wasn't just for good people. (laughs) Okay, in fact, there wasn't any good people right? And this helps me to understand, to get myself in a place because I hear Jesus saying, Keith, is your attitude like mine? All right. Could you be treated as unjustly as Jesus and still have this attitude? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. All right. I don't know if that's not, that might be the hardest thing I've ever heard. Okay. Does it make you angry? Good. Okay. I mean, I think there's a side of being a disciple, that I hope we do have some emotion. I hope we do have some, you know, if, if you're just kind of complacently sitting places or you just kind of unfeelingly know answers and follow Jesus and stuff, I'm saying, I don't know if you're growing that much, okay? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where Jesus and his character challenges who I am as his follower, right? Is he would ask me, Keith, do you love your enemy? Okay, because remember, could you imagine Jesus saying this again? I'm saying, Keith, don't, don't you remember when I said, don't just love people like you, love your enemy too? Because see, the world loves people that are like them, right? At, at this point, or at, at some point, if we don't stop and think this is the craziest, like, philosophy ever, all right? Like this is, as a strategy, makes no sense at all. As a strategy, as Jesus is saying this, and and, you know, how many times have you had that talk with Jesus going, Jesus, this doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't make sense that, yeah, you did this and you're calling me to do this as well. And, you know, Jesus could even point us over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. And here's what Jesus said there. He said, I left you an example to follow. 
an example in suffering, okay? He's telling us we can zero in on his life and we can go, this is how we need to be, okay? And I think Jesus would have some conversations with us. I really do. I think he would have some conversations because the pushback oftentimes from us is, so you're going to let people get away with things. So all of a sudden, we should be naive and just pretend like, hey, kumbaya, everything's peaceful. That Jesus, is that what you're saying to me? Okay. And we need Jesus, right? This is why we study our Bible. This is why we get together with brothers and sisters to be reminded and we admonish one another with the word as it dwells in us richly. Okay. This is why. Because we do see Jesus addressing hypocrisy. We do see Jesus addressing hatred and injustice. We see him doing that. We see him um, talking to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, okay? We talk, he's, he's, he goes and he helps Zacchaeus, okay? If you're not aware of that story, Luke chapter 19, you can go and read that on your own. But you have Zacchaeus. He was extorting his townspeople. He was stealing from them. He was, I mean, this was a despicable tax collector. And Jesus said, but Zacchaeus, I love you, right? Could you imagine how infuriating that would be, right? I mean, we saw Jesus address. Can you hear Jesus telling me that? It's, guys, you know how I addressed spiritual hypocrisy. You know how I addressed the Pharisees. You know how I addressed people who said they were religious but acted in hatred. You saw him do that. We saw him do that. All right, so we've got to remember this idea of who Jesus is. He isn't again this like youth group, uh, you know, leader that just wants to sing, you know, happy clappy songs around the fire and don't pretend anything's bad. He's saying, no, guys, come and follow me, and it's going to look crazy to follow me, but I need you to trust me. Okay. I need you to trust me. Can you hear Jesus saying that to you? I need you to trust me, okay? In, in fact, I can hear Jesus even saying to me, like, Keith, why does it surprise you that I ask my church to do things that aren't normal, okay? Is, isn't the whole Bible full of that, all right? Isn't the, the entirety of the Bible? Turn over to Judges chapter 7, okay? Is, this should not take us by surprise when Jesus' methodology of addressing hatred and injustice and hardship and suffering is very different than the world's, okay? Jesus has been doing this. God has been doing this all along. In Judges chapter 7, he's sending his people to war, okay? And uh, he had... Uh, verse verse 1, well, Judges 7, verse 1, uh, Gideon and everyone who was with him got up early and camped beside the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them. Below was the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, uh, to Gideon, you have too many people for me to hand the Midianites over to you, or else Israel might brag that they did it themselves, okay? C- can you imagine any, you know, any commander of any army Going to his guys, okay. We sell. Yesterday was D, uh, the anniversary of D Day, seventy sixth anniversary. All right. Um, can you imagine uh, General Eisenhower or Patton going to his troops and saying, "Guys, we have too many troops. Okay, we have to go. Let's go less. We have too many to go into war. Okay, this is not even going to be fair. In fact, let's make it unfair so people will know how great America is. Could you imagine?" anyone in the world saying that and here's god saying guys you got too many people okay you you no one's going to be surprised that you win and so you think okay so what's he do he does he take a hundred out does he take a thousand out no 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 he went and he took 
22,000 out, okay? So they're down to about 10,000, okay? And he keeps lowering the number until they're down to 300, okay? I mean, minuscule from 30,000 to 300, okay? And can you imagine God going, now that's how I want to do it. Could you imagine being one of the 300 people and going, really, seriously? And God going, just trust me, man. Just, just trust me. All right. It's, it's very similar to even Jericho. All right. God is like, hey, no, no, no. Take your instruments and take these jars and you're going to make a lot of noise. And that's how I'm going to overcome Jericho. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine being the people going, that doesn't seem like it's going to work. All right. And that's the same in our day to day. Okay. If we don't trust the process of Jesus, of discipleship, of allegiance to him, it's very easy for us to sit back and go, I don't think, man, I don't know if forgiveness really is going to make a difference. I don't know if, if loving people is going to make a difference. I don't know if making disciples is going to make a difference. Like, come on, man. I mean, there's so many better ways to make a difference in this world. And I can imagine Jesus saying back to me and you, why does it surprise you that I ask you to do something that requires trust? Well, why does it surprise you and me that he asks us to do something to trust him that seems like it's not going to work, okay? The God who brought his people to the Red Sea and then parted it, okay? Why, why, do we, why are we surprised, okay? Here's the thing. We need Jesus training our hearts to be like him. We need Jesus every morning. That's really even the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's really the pledge of allegiance of Christianity right there. It's starting out every day and remembering, man, you want to know what? I'm with you. My loyalty's with you. I'm behind. Whatever you need to do with me, do it. That's fine. I'm with you. There's nothing that can stop that, okay? Is that's what is required of a disciple. Um, so, so anyway, um, I hope we continue, and if maybe it's just a start, to have the posture of humility in front of Jesus and knowing that, okay, here's the deal. Um, Jesus um, wants a miraculous manifestation of his Holy Spirit so the world sees that it wasn't our strength that changed anything but his. I hope we're praying that way. Um, Here's a few takeaways for for me as I went through this exercise and as I went through this, this Bible study of going through Philippians 2 and thinking of emptying myself and then just letting Jesus take me through his own trial and crucifixion and his attitude and how he loved even those who I would want to hate and I would want to see killed and I would want to see tortured, okay, and I can hear Jesus saying, but Keith, you need to empty yourself and fill yourself with Jesus, right? And even the words of 1 Peter 2.20 of Jesus saying, I left you an example, right? I left you an example to follow in my footsteps, okay? And uh, here's, here's here's a few things. If as a follower of Jesus, there are times of frustration and even anger isn't always bad, okay? A lot of times it's where our heart gets most revealed, like we bump up against Jesus and his kingdom and everything in us is saying we want to do one thing and Jesus is maybe saying, no, 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 listen, I'm going to 
take you in a different direction. So if there's a lot of emotion in being a disciple and maybe even some anger and some frustration, you all know what? That's okay because it's, it's really meant to put us in a place of humility and this ability of going, okay, now we can grow, okay? A lot, so many times growth comes from being in the furnace, not sitting in front of your TV, okay? And so, um, so there's this side of things. I remember um, when I was in a, a young um, athletic trainer at college, in college, and my mentor, um, you know, I was just being a big old jerk in the training room and not treating people well and just being just, just a jerk. You know, I wasn't listening to anybody. I wasn't listening to my boss, my mentor. I wasn't listening to anybody. I was just doing my thing and going through and I was angry and bitter and all of these things. And my mentor actually like um, strategized with the other trainers to continue to like irritate me and do things that would make me angry. <laughs> Okay, and it, I was furious at the things that they were doing, and they were doing them because he told them to do. Anyway, what, what's my point with all of that is um, there was a point when I was like, okay, hey, listen, I'm I'm out of control. I need to stop and listen now. Okay, there there are people here who are trying to help me, uh, but sometimes when you're really like amped, that's a great time to go. Okay, to hear Jesus' voice. All right, and to surrender and to be emptied. Okay, and so, um, yeah, man. I oh boy, man. There, there's just so much, right? I mean, there's so much in following Jesus. I I do pray um, that we are humble every day in every situation to hear the Holy Spirit to to pledge our allegiance to Jesus to really be open to him training my heart not in everything i know to do but in the ways he knows how to do them that our attitudes will be the same as that of Christ Jesus because here's the deal and and, and i think one of the things that hurts us more than anything is we forget that the gospel isn't again the gospel is not this kind of kumbaya song of naivety that's just supposed to like pretend everything's great and have more members in the church okay the gospel is a call to sinful people to conform their heart to jesus all right the the gospel is a call to repentance okay the gospel is a call to mercy and justice the gospel is a call and sometimes we forget we just think like we don't spend enough time embodying the gospel and learning the gospel to understand that you want to know what um, the church can go out and address hatred. The church can and should go out and address injustice. The church can and should go out as we make disciples because the gospel is calling people out of their righteousness into God's righteousness, okay? And if we forget that, if we forget that God's plan was changing the world one person at a time, okay? That's always been, the to me, the simplest thing in the church, all right? is to see how a healthy family would grow exponentially when everyone is helping one person become a disciple and to learn to help a person themselves, okay? Is that seems so simple. Is Jesus' plan is one person at a time. And I hope as disciples, what we're praying for, I hope when we pray for the lost, I hope we pray that God uses us to reach out 
to the most unjust in our world, to the people who hate, to the people who just only see things through a racist point of view. I hope that God sends us to those people and we're able to share the gospel and that they see Jesus and repent one at a time. And so I'm wondering, you know, how often are we praying that God helps people become disciples, but we only pray for good people? We only pray for people that we think are worthy? In this time of, of really being able to interact with our world, maybe the prayer should be that God sends us to the worst, the most hateful, the most blinded, the most unjust. Are we courageous enough to pray that prayer? Okay. I think Jesus would train our hearts for that. How do I know that? Because while we were his enemies, he died for us. Okay. That is the attitude of Jesus. And if there is going to be change here, but also not just change here, buying into this bigger picture of eternity with God. All right. Let's be courageous enough to pray for our enemies that will be used to reach out to those, that we truly can have the attitude of, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, but please use your church. Use us one at a time to where the world sees God is awesome and the world is a wreck. So hopefully this is helpful as we take our communion today. Um, I think it's really important um, that we do realize and, and kind of see the death the burial, the resurrection, the, the trial, the post-resurrection of Jesus that we put ourselves in the right place, in his shoes or in the, in the shoes of those in the crowd um, to really connect our hearts. Um, because again, there isn't anything that will soften me and you that will, that will um, draw us to the heart of Jesus like his death, burial, and resurrection. So take some time today, talk about this, share a meal together, pray, but let's pray courageously. Um, let's beg God that our attitude will be the same as his. And, and let's love with the fervent nature that he had for the world.